Good morning, good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and... All right, let's go. Father, we are so grateful for you are worthy, you are holy, you are righteous. We, God, we just come before you. Will you open our hearts this today as we worship you in spirit and truth? We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, good morning. Look at someone, look at someone, smile really big and say, you look wonderful. Come on, come on. Right. My favorite word is tell someone they look marvelous. <laughs> I'm so glad, uh, Mary, good to have you here this morning. Glad that God brought you through. Praise the Lord. God is good. How many have birthdays in July? Raise your hand. You're a July birthday. Okay, very good, very good. Well, you know, having a birthday um, is a wonderful thing. At one point in my life, I didn't care. I said, it's just another day. I'm more about getting it done and going on, you know? And then sometime back, I started thinking a little bit, and I realized that when you have a birthday, it actually gives you two things. One, to reflect upon what God has done in the, the year it's just passed. And the, and the other one is the future. Art had a birthday last week. Well, a few days ago, actually, he was 90 years old. Come on, put your hands together. And I tried to beat him up the stairs, but he beat me. I'm like, oh. But when you have a birthday, it's important, really important. Well, our nation is having a birthday, and as we talked about, it's 247 years old coming up. How many know what country is the oldest? What country? Does anybody know the oldest country? Iran. Iran is the oldest country. It goes back to 3200 B.C. Next would be Egypt at 3100 B.C. Vietnam at 28. 79 B.C., Armenia at 2492 B.C., North Korea, 2333 B.C., China, 2070 B.C., and India, 2000 B.C. So those are some of the countries that have, that have been around for a long, long time. And America is one of the youngest countries, not the youngest, but in the group of the youngest. And when you look at where we are as a country in only 247 years and what have taken place, I kind of want to give you a little history lesson about our country or where we found it. And then I want to give you a lesson on the spiritual freedom we have in Christ. Because we're celebrating two things and two very important things. I love my country. I love my country. I've been to other countries and as bad as the things we have to deal with in this country, it doesn't compare to the things that are in other countries. But that doesn't mean we're not going to follow suit. Because if you look, we're following suit. And as the world starts to change and will change in the upcoming decade in a way that you cannot believe, as the reset takes place, it's not an if, it's just a matter of when. There are so many things coming down the pike that you're not going to recognize your country. But I want you to recognize this that even though your country is changing rapidly and you will go through some challenges to come, and I'll explain a little bit of that today, I want you to understand your God rules and reigns. How many know that? Amen. Your God rules and reigns. 
And as you get a chance to reflect a little bit today, I want to challenge you because if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, he didn't get there by himself. On July 2nd, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was written. Two days later, July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence passed and was declared. This is important. I love when I study history and what I learn. It wasn't until August 2nd, 1776, that the 56 members actually started to sign the Declaration of Independence. What I'm amazed about, and I've always been amazed is, is that these founding individuals were so committed to the word freedom. They were so committed to the word freedom that they were willing to sacrifice anything, including their own life. They were not just thinking of themselves, they were thinking about the ones that would follow. We live in a world today, and we have a generation today that just focus on themselves. We just focus on ourselves. It's really about us. It's, we're not thinking about the ones who come after us. I think well, the ones who come after us, I want to try to help them so that they have an understanding of the God who rules and reigns. 56 individuals signed the Indi uh, Declaration of Independence, and they had conviction. Someone say conviction. Now, that's a powerful word, conviction. These are things, these are strong beliefs that people carry. These are strong beliefs that people are willing to stand up for, even die for. They have convictions. It's something that's very personal to them. And it's personal for things that take place in the family. Today, today, it's sad. There's a lot of stuff that's sad. But let me just share a few things about these 56 men, some of them anyhow. Five of the 56 were captured and tortured by the British Army. Twelve had their homes ransacked. Two lost their sons in war. Two other sons of these 56 were captured. Nine of the 56 died from wounds of hardship because of the war. We have very wealthy individuals putting all their wealth on the line and saying, you know what, the armies of British can have it. I like this aspect here, Thomas Nelson, a very wealthy man at the time in the battle at York time, the British General Cornwallis confiscated his home and he told George Washington to blow his home up. A very wealthy man in the beginning died poor, bankrupt at the end. Why would individuals give all because, see, they were willing to stand for something. We live our life so much about us, we do not think about the ones after us. We do not think about the ones around us. We're so focused on the present us. And yet these 56 individuals were not focused on themselves. They were focusing on something greater. Someone say something greater. You have God Almighty living inside you. God has orchestrated a plan that all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You have full of God's DNA within you. Come on, someone say amen. amen. That means you're capable of doing great things for God. People say, well, Pastor, I don't have the goods. Stop letting the devil lie to you. You're capable of doing all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's true, but you have to do your part. The Philippian church was doing that part. That's where the promise comes from. That being said, that being said, I want to take you on a little journey. 
even in our Declaration of Independence, when the writers wrote it, Thomas Jefferson wrote it, four times is mentioned God. All through the literature is God is always mentioned. If you go to the tour of Washington, you will see more things talking about God. But where is God in the narrative of our culture today? Where is God in the narrative of putting him first? Where is God? God's being pushed out. Is this strange? No. The Bible says this will take place in the latter days. Things will go cold. But friends, I don't want to get cold. I, I, I'm not going to let my surroundings dictate who I am. I try to be a thermometer, not a thermostat. I want you to do the same thing. No matter where you are, can you set your thermostat to who you are in Christ Jesus and know your identity that God has given you? Because if you come continually look at your surroundings, you will be like a roller coaster. How many like roller coasters? Come on now, how many? Okay. <laughs> how many like roller coasters? Do you want to ride on a roller coaster for a few minutes and those roller coaster rides, you wait in line for two hours and a half and then the, the ride lasts for a minute and a half. It's like such a letdown, like um, it's all over. But if you live a roller coaster in life, mm-mm-mm, not going to be good. God doesn't want you to live as a roller coaster. He wants you to live in him. So let's take a history lesson. Hit your neighbor and say, don't miss any of this. You might learn something. Come on. <laughs> okay, Alex, ready? Here we go. Check this out. Love this. First one is Patrick Henry. Love Patrick Henry. He was a very godly man. He was a, a politician of um, Virginia. An appeal of two arms and God of hosts is that is, is all that is left us. But we shall not fight our battle alone. Hallelujah. There is a just God that presides over the pristines of a nation. The battle, sir, is not of the strong alone. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to purchase at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but, 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 as for me, give me liberty or give me death. How can an individual say, give me liberty or give me death? I will take death if I don't have liberty. You see, is we have liberty, but we get so accustomed to the freedoms and the benefits that we have in this world, and we don't realize it. But if you don't enjoy it and protect it, you won't have it tomorrow. Trust me. It's important. George Washington loved our first president. George Washington's words from his personal prayer book, O eternal and everlasting God, direct my thoughts, words, and work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb and purge my heart by the Holy Spirit. Daily, frame me more and more in the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ that living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, love that part, dying in thy favor, I may in thy appointed time obtain the resurrection and justify unto the eternal life. Bless, O Lord, the whole race of mankind. There's only one race. It's called the human race, period. I hope you know that. Only one race out there is human race. We all come from Adam and Eve or the family of Noah. And let the world be filled with knowledge of thy Son, Jesus Christ. 
You know, aren't you not thankful that we had a president, our first president, who would actually say this? Could you imagine if we had a president that said that today? This is a history lesson. But if you don't remember what happened in our history, then you can't. You don't have a future. George Washington first added, So help me God to his inaugural oath. Every president since likewise has for God's assistance, has asked God for God's assistance at the inauguration. Why did, they, why did he say that? Because he could not do the task. It reminds me of Solomon. When Solomon went before the Lord and said, Lord, how can I judge this people? I can't do it. I am but a child. And what did God say? Solomon, ask me anything you want, and I'll, I'll give it to you. If God gave you that, what would you ask God for? Wasn't it beautiful that Solomon asked to be a better judge of the people, to be a better leader, to be a better king? Powerful. The chairman of American Bible Society, which considered his highest and most important role, he was president of the United States and yet also president of the Bible Society, and he felt the president of the Bible Society was greater than the role of president. Love it. On July 4th, 1821, President Adams said, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissolvable bond the principles of civil government and the principles of Christianity. You see, there are so many individuals out there that say, well, some of our forefathers, they weren't Christians. That's true. And the Christians that we would say, some were deists, but the majority of them had an understanding that there was a God of overall the universe. I want you to get this. There was a lot of individuals who really had God at the center of their heart and life. We are a special nation. And the reason why it makes it harder on us than another nation is because we as a nation know the truth. Just like Israel. God was heavier upon Israel than he was upon other nations because Israel knew the truth. And when you know the truth, things come down harder on the ones who know the truth. You understand what I'm trying to say? In, 19, in 1782, the United States Congress voted this resolution. Check this out. This is our Congress. The Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for the use of all schools. Every single time I bring this up, I have the actual school book that they used in the, in the early times. It's in, my it's in my library, my office. And the way they taught the ABCs in every single school, because the Bible was the book in our education. In the beginning. But we've got to the point now that we don't need God. We can do God without that. Can I just tell you, that little book, when you open it up, and I'm kind of blank on the, what they called it, but um, it's, I, I have it, and it's, they taught, um, A is for Adam, who bit of the fruit. B is for belief, belief in God. This is how they taught kids their alphabets. I want you to say that we've come a long way. I want to also say we've come far from the way we should travel. And why is that? Why is that? Well, the majority of God's people don't even read Scripture anymore. The majority of God's people are not spending time in prayer seeking His presence and seeking His ways. And if we don't get hungry, saints, if we don't really get hungry for what God has already done and 
and we don't start really eating on God's word, we won't be prepared for the things that are coming down the pike. I'm really serious. I keep track of all the stuff that's going on, and I'm, I, I'm a little bit with my mouth drawn open to tell you the truth. Everything is lining up. It's just like the scripture says. It's pretty impressive. Congress asserted under the Pledge of Allegiance in 1954 in, in order to combat the rise of atheistic communism and reaffirm that America was founded on belief in God. And so they put in there, this is the Congress that did this in 1954, in God, we, in, in, uh, uh, belief in God. One nation, say that again, one nation, you know, at one time, they actually had kids recite that in class. There's times I wonder if some kids even know that. You see, the, the reality is where a nation goes is in the direction of how we teach our children. So different, so quickly. In God We Trust was first inscribed on U.S. coins in 1864 on the President Lincoln. And in 1956, Congress made it a national model. Congress was the one that put a resolution together saying that we should be our model in, in uh, the United States of America, that we should say, in God we trust. Does America trust in God? We're post-Christian. Sometimes there's so many churches today that are post-Christians. There are so many churches today that, and it's so sad, I was just with some situation not too, too long ago where a church is just bringing in all the stuff of this world and saying it's okay with God. It's not okay with God. And those leaders will answer before God one day. Since 1820, the U.S. Supreme Court has opened its court sessions with prayer of God save the United States and the honorable court. They still pray. I just sometimes wonder in the difference between heart prayer and formality prayers. Sometimes people pray, but do you really believe God's going to answer your prayer? Or are you just praying because you're supposed to pray? We can pray for things, but if we're not serving God, our words are just mere words. It has a form of godliness, but forsaken the power thereof. Just because someone prays doesn't mean they are connected to God Almighty. Congress opens up in prayer. Supreme Court opens up in prayer. But how many are connected to God? God does know. Since the Supreme Court building was constructed in 1930, a marble frieze on the south wall of the courtroom has featured Moses with the two tablets of the Decalogue. This Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, has affected every single nation. It's principles, and yet there is Moses on the wall in stone, and yet we pay no attention to the things that's written on it. This is a one that I get upset at quite a bit, if anything. I've had many years of education, and when you look at the first 108 universities founded in America, 106 were distinct, distinctively Christian. I want you to get this now. Harvard, if you look at the handbook on rule number one, was that students seeking entrance must, must know Latin and Greek so they could study the scriptures. This is in Harvard in 1636. 
Every school out of 108, 106 were distinctly Christian with biblically based. Matter of fact, for the 100 years of these schools' existence, more than 50 of them, all of Harvard graduates, were pastors. What happens to us when we get, we get to a point and we're serving God, it, it takes it whether it's a school, whether it's a country, or whether it's a person, and they start serving God. And what happens to us when all of a sudden we're serving God and then we fall away from God, just like a nation who serves God and fall away from God? What happens? We stop forgetting who God is, and we stop focusing on other things. We replace him, as Romans chapter 1 says, with a lie. I want to bring this powerful portion of Scripture found in Psalms 33. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to your Bibles. If you can read it on screen, uh, read it with me. This is powerful. This has a, so much for us saints. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. No matter what happens, God's presence and God's love is there, period. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and the starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. That's how awesome your God is. If you want to go with your mouth and catch flies, that verse right there will do it to you. Let's continue. Verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth. I don't know if that makes your liver quiver a little bit, but that portion there in Psalm 32 really does something to me. It tells me about the character of God. It tells me about the principles and the passion that God has for us and his plans and purpose for us. But he also with the promises that come with it. And I think about God sees it all. He looks down from his place and sees all mankind. Now last time, many, many years, I remember it telling you that God's watching you right now. God sees exactly where you are. Just look up and go, hello. When we look at this, see, we like to live life and leave God out of life, but you can't because the reason of life is because of God. We do not have breath in this body without it. When this breath, when this body ceases to live, it does not die. It continues because there is a soul in this vessel which causes us to live. We, uh, you know, I... Uh, talked about the heart a lot and different things about the heart and just when you start to talk about the body and how God created it, how it works. The reason why God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made because you are. But yet you look on the mirror and you look on the outside and you judge who you are by your outside. 
God says he wants you to look on the inside. God's giving you spiritual freedom. We have freedom in this country because first God intervened in the plans of man and God rose up individuals to stand. These political people who brought things together were on a different type of battlefield than a battlefield with guns and, and ammunition. And both are needed because that's what took place afterwards. When they signed their name, they were actually saying if this did not succeed, they would die by hanging. How would you sign a piece of paper to know that if it failed, it meant the end of your life? That's what these 56 individuals did. They were more concerned about the next generation so much. And I want to say, saints of God, you need to stop focusing and really putting your heart to the next generation. And the next generation is the today generation to understand that what we do and how we show light and how we do salt makes all the difference on how they live because they don't get God. God is not taught in the home. They don't even know who he is. You can say, Jesus love you. Who Jesus? They don't know who Jesus is. I'm, I'm mystified. A person can be at a certain age and not even know nothing about God. Why is that? Why is that? Because, see, God is no longer important in our nation. And even though he's provided everything we need and the freedoms for you and I, it's not being taught. And if it's not taught, it's not caught. If it's not spoken, it's not heard. And I'm going to say, saints of God, I think the church is guilty of not speaking What we are to speak. We focus so much on the fluffing stuff, but not on the real relationships that grow people, not on the real relationships that help people, not on the real aspect of taking life. So you can make a difference in another as Jesus has made a difference in you. We so often have focused our life on ourselves, we forget the greater purpose of this great freedom. He has given you an eye. So let me just change gears for a second as I just gave you a, a lesson of history or a lesson where, we, where the people were when we first started and we can look at today, but I think you can see today, and I'm not going to get into all that because that can get me going, but let me talk about the essence of life now and the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 1, it talks about God created a man and put him in the garden. And God said to him, you can eat anything in this garden, but don't eat of this one tree. Someone say one tree. But you and I know that we have a sinful nature. And if someone tells us you can touch anything in this building, but don't touch these stairs, it's a matter of a time. It's just a matter of a time that you're going to say, I, I need to touch those stairs. Bottom line. That's a sinful nature. So Adam was fine and... And we see that God placed them in the garden. And uh, Genesis 2 placed them in the garden, tells them, gives them the instruction, gives them the command. And then he gives them a wife because he could not find no other mate and he needed something. And so God created a woman to complete the man as a helpmate. And when the Lord brought this woman to Adam, he said, whoa, man. That's not how it happened, but just in my mind, I kind of think that sometimes. I mean, if God creates you, you're a mate. I mean, God created, right? I'm like, it had to be a, whoa, man. 
But that being the case, he said, this is born, a bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she came out of man. And so this beautiful thing now takes place in the Garden of Eden until Genesis chapter 3 comes where the enemy comes up. And now, because the enemy, Satan, is jealous of this relationship that goes on between creator and creation, he now wants to see, he wants them to serve him. And so he starts to lie, and he lies to the woman and the, the, the narrative, are you free to eat from the tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? For when you eat it, you will surely die. That's what God says to Adam. But, the, but Satan comes in and he says, no, in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 4, no, you ain't going to surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will become open and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. Was that true? Yes. Was it false? Yes. When she said God, she saw power. What do people want today? Power, prestige. Nothing changes. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good, to, good for food and pleasant to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave it to her husband that was with her and they ate it and both their eyes were open and they realized, oh, I'm naked. And then God had to kill an animal to close and cover them of their sin. So then that's where it takes place where now we are now children of Satan. We have now lost a position with God and now forever separated from God. But yet, the Bible tells us before the foundations of the earth, God was going to send his Savior, his Son, Jesus Christ. Get that, before the foundations of the earth. There was a plan already in operation even before all this took place. But don't fret, God had a plan. And right there in Genesis 3.15, we see the first plan revealed and given in Genesis. And it simply says this, and I will put... Hatred between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and he will strike your heel. And it's simply saying that the one that's going to come from a woman, the virgin, as Isaiah 7, 14 says, that one who's going to come is going to be one who's going to crush the authority. The head is the authority. And when Jesus crushed the authority of Satan, I want you to get this. We give too much room to let the devil rattle your cage, your thoughts, to worry. We give too much room, and yet God always has a plan. Someone say, God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a, plan. God has a purpose for you. You need to recognize and realize God has a plan. He wants you to know him as Savior. He wants you to know him with a purpose. He wants you to know you to have freedom that comes from God. He's done all this. Why? 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 He loves you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's telling you he loves you. Come on now. Share if you care. You share. You see, I want you to look at this. Sacrifice for freedom only found in Jesus Christ. The Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's why Jesus is so important. Can you tell me someone else, someone else who rose from the dead, defeat, sin, death, and the grave? Can you tell me someone else that is going to come and Isaiah, 600 years before it happens, and yet fulfill it totally. Over 300 different prophecies. Look at John chapter 3, verse 16. This is good. We all know this. For, let's read that together. Can we do that? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's read verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Wow. Can you believe that? I wore out my battery. God said, let there be light, 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 light. <laughs> Having some technical difficulties here. Are we all set? All right. So when you recognize that God has that plan, God is going to do something in you. But when we read this, for God so loved the world, and it's all through him. How many times do we forget God in situations and circumstances that we go through? How, how many times do we just focus more on the problem? How many times do we don't realize that when we believe in Jesus Christ, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Isn't that good? God sent his son into the world to bring it back. But if you don't believe on the one he gave you, if he gives you a gift and you say no to the gift... Whose fault is it? If I gave you right now, how many would like $500,000? Anybody here? One person. I see a couple people a little excited. I see, okay, all right. A lot of people getting a little bit more excited. Like, is he serious? Not yet. I'll first offer 1000 All right, listen. So if I was going to give you a, a lump sum of money, and you would want it, right? But if you said no, could I force you to take it? But all of a sudden, if I couldn't force you to take it and you didn't take it, and all of a sudden you ended up in a bad way because you didn't receive it, whose fault is it? We always want to blame other people for our issues. We want to, we, instead of looking at God, we want to look at people. Can I say this to you, please, and listen to me? Never look at anybody, including me, Look at God. Come on now. Amen. You're not listening to me. Look at God. And if you keep your eyes on the master, if you keep your eyes on God, he's going to help you out when everything else. You see, when, people, when all of a sudden people, well, you know what, they hurt me and, I, well, I'm not coming anymore. Oh, please, please, please. I have a Greek word for you. Stop it. Please stop it. It's about God. Someone says it's about God. This is what John 3.16 is telling us. It's all about the Lord and the gift that he has. And it's not to condemn you, but it's to pick you up. It's to get you going. It's to get you where you need to be. You ever get into the car one day and you're driving and you forgot where you're going? Come on, anybody ever do that? So, okay, I thank God. I feel, I feel, I feel good. A couple people are with me. 
You're getting in the car, you're driving, dun dun. Oh, we're having a good time. Get the sunroof is open and the wind's blowing through a few hairs on your head. Oh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> and, all, and all of a sudden, you realize, where am I going? Or you get on a road that you go all the time, but you're not going to that destination that day. And you take yourself to the destination, you realize, I don't belong here. God wants you to get you to the destination, but you have to receive what he says to you. God wants to have, give you a gift, but you got to receive it. Someone say receive. receive. So important for you to get that. So here's John. John is telling us in verse 19, it says, this is the verdict. This is what it says as you continue here. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Sometimes that's what happens. People rather do what they want to do, even though they know who God is. Romans chapter 1 says they know God, but they do not want to serve God. They know the truth, but deny it. It goes on to say, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that they may see plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Let's share this with you. I like this one a lot. Can you change? It's John 8, 31. This is what it says. I like this. Jesus said to the, those Jews who believed in him, if you believe by what I say, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Woo! You should know the truth, and the truth will what? Set free. They replied to Jesus, we are Abraham's descendant, and we never been anyone's slave. Wait a minute, stop. Let's stop for a second. Who, who are they, who's over them right now? The Roman government. Are they slaves? Yeah, they are. They are under the jurisdiction of the Roman government. But in their mind, they're not slaves. They're free people. Not even understanding that they're still slaves in their present living condition. Let's go on. So how can you say that we, will be, we, uh, that we can be set free? Jesus answered, can I, I can guarantee this truth. Whoever lives a sinful life is a slave to sin. A slave doesn't live in the home forever, but a son does. So if the son sets you free, you will be absolutely free. Now, I want you to understand something, that today there are people who are free in heart, but they're in prison because of their faith in different countries. There are many people today are in prison because they simply have a faith in Jesus Christ. It is the persecuted church. If there's anyone who understands what freedom is in Christ, these people do. A preacher went to, went to China and met a bunch of the underground church. Some had to travel eight hours to get to church. Not all of them had Bibles. So the pastor brought Bibles for them. Powerful story true story but he only had 18 and there was 25 there 
he passed out the Bibles, and the Bibles were like taken with such hunger and with such reverence, all in the same, same shot. And he asked them, if we get caught, what's going to happen? And he said, well, you're going to de be deported out of the country, and we'll all go to prison. Out of the 25 in this meeting, this was not too long ago, out of 25 in this meeting, 18 had already served in prison because of their faith. I just want you to get this. I want you to understand what freedom really is. Because you have a spiritual freedom. And these individuals love God and is going to serve God no matter their circumstances. And here they are, ready to risk their life to go back to prison again. 18 out of the 25 had already been in prison because of their faith for a few years. And what happened is they're talking about the book of Colossians, I believe. And the one lady gave it to another person who didn't have the scripture and she was she was did the whole scripture verbatim and the man the preacher went up to him and said i, I saw you ma'am you you actually were memorizing the whole thing she says i memorized the whole book and many many other scriptures already she said why well because we don't always have bibles and so we have to carry the word of god in us so that we can get it we can live with it and I and uh, the conversation went on, and he said, "Could you?" She said, "Could you do me a favor?" And so, she said, "Sure, anything." He said, "When you go back home to America, can you get all the people together, and can you pray for us that we can worship God like you worship?" And this is what the pastor said, bold but so true. He says, "I won't, I won't do that, because in America." People won't get out of bed to come to church. Matter of fact, they won't travel no more than 20 minutes usually to go to church because they have so many other things to do. You have traveled for hours just to be here because you're hunger for God. She said, that would be the worst thing I could do is to pray because the people in America are so immune to the goodness of God. They don't know what they have, and you are longing to have what they have, but they don't have what you have. And I've seen that so true. I've seen hunger when we went to India, and we were going supposed to, I was supposed to preach in Agua, and we were late for three hours, three hours, about two and a half hours late, packed building, not one person left, but waited until we got there, and when we had church, you want to call it that, it was fabulous. Because people were connected and wanted more of God. They were excited. They were true liberty. They were flowing and loving God as what you call worship is. Worship is not about just singing a song. It's about loving on God in the moment and then loving on God when the moment stops and the moment continues. Someone say amen. amen. It's not just about a moment. It's about a lifestyle of freedom. Freedom. Oh, don't get me singing. Hmm. <laughs> Whoever lives in a sinful lifestyle is a slave to sin. There are people who are in slavery of addictions. There are people in slavery because of the choices they've made. And there are people under persecution because of what others have done to them. There are so many things in this world that people don't have freedom in. But can I tell you whether those online, those here, can I just say whatever addiction, whatever 
problem, whatever choice you've made, whatever bed you've made, and now you're lying in it. Can I tell you, there is a God who can deliver you and strengthen you and help you and draw you out of the miry clay and put you on a, a rock to stay. That's who Jesus Christ can do. And you as a church need to try to believe what God's word says he'll do because he will do it. He's a good God. He's a great God. And he's on your side. Give him some praise in the house of the Lord. He worthy. He worthy. He worthy. So worthy. I don't have the answers. He has the answers. Just got to get to know him. Someone say, got to get to know my best friend. God, just say, got to get to know my best friend. Jesus wants to be your best friend. You need a best friend today, go to Jesus. And then go to the one next to you. Everybody needs a best friend upward and everybody needs a best friend outward. Someone say amen. amen. But if you want friends, the Bible says go out and be friendly. And then they say there'll be friends everywhere. Hey, watch this, watch this. Everybody do this. Just smile. Come on, just smile. Smile. Yeah. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Go out and be friendly and there'll be friends everywhere. Let me just close with this prophetic word that came from the book of Isaiah. Over 600 years, Jesus comes to the synagogue and they give him the scroll to read. He is about to fulfill what is said in Isaiah 61. He says this, Luke chapter 4, looking at verse, we'll go to, I got on the screen 17, but I'm going to take it from 16 and we'll read it following. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as it was custom. And he stood up and he read. Verse 17. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Oh boy. Hallelujah. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners and to recover sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him and he began by saying this, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This was the plan before the foundation of the earth taking place as this was spoken a little bit over 600 years in the book of Messiah before the Messiah would cross the T and dot the I and fulfill the very purpose of the one that would crush the head of Satan through the cross and the resurrection. There is a great plan that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you get to know a purpose. Yeah. You get to know your potential. You get to know that you are a people of promise. That you, that you can do wonderful things as being his ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Give God some praise for what God's done. He liberated you. He given you some reasons to get excited about. God is so good in all that he does. Sacrifice of freedom. Jesus laid down his life for you. And in that, you have become a new vessel. 
But be careful you don't become like countries do. You get so immune with the things of God. And before you know it, you get all this stuff taking place. And people saying this and people saying that. And everybody wants to look at this. But nobody wants to lift their eyes a little higher and look at the one where our help come from. Get your eyes off of the surroundings and they say and he said and all the arguments and the foolish philosophies of this world that distract us from really getting to the truth. He, he who puts their eyes on the one who rules and reigns will always have their eyes on where they're going because God is with his people. The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind that love God. I want you just to grab a little bit today of the freedom God's given you. I want you to stop. Close your eyes with me for a moment. I'm going to challenge you with something here. Those online, I want to challenge you. Are you really living to your full potential? Ask yourself that question. Are you living at your full potential of what God has created you to be? Those online, are you living at your full potential? Are you giving room for God to work? Are you giving your ears to listen? Are your ears only selective? Are your heart only open to the things you desire to take in? You see, to really get to know God, you need him, all of him. And you need to open your heart to let God come in and to do a work in you and through you. Because he so loves you, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Do you allow your thoughts to control you? Negative thoughts, thoughts that are not right. Do you allow people to kind of say things about you? And instead of you knowing who you are and whom you belong to, you focus on what they say. But you forget about what God says. Are you here today? Are you here today? And you've never made Jesus your Savior. Are you online? And you've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and life. I choose to give my life to you today. I surrender. Beautiful word. I surrender to you. If you're here today, raise your hand where you are. Yeah, yeah. Are you online? Just raise your hand right where you are. I surrender. I surrender. I'm going to ask each one of you to ask yourself another question. Are you living to your full potential? Are you living for the, about this, the freedom that God has given to you? Are you hungry? Are you online? Are you hungry for all that God has? Do you walk in worry and yet you know God's able to do exceedingly abundantly all that you think or even ask? Do you worry about this and worry about that and forget about what God's word says? Are you distracted by all the things in this world and forget that you have a God who said he'll lead you, he'll strengthen you, he'll be with you, he's before you, he's over you, he's behind you, he's on the side of you? He's your God. How many would say, yeah, sometimes I lose, I get distracted, raise your hand. Yes, I get distracted, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The thing is, I want, yes. I, I, I want you to get back on track. This is the day of the very first day of the rest of your life to get back on track. Meaning God is the one who's in the seat, who's driving. You're not the driver. 
You're the co-driver. You're on the side. God's the driver. Just say, God, you're my driver. Come on, just say, God, you're my driver. If I'm going to be in your works and your freedom that you provided, God, I want you to work in my life. I'm going to continue, continue to seek your face and hunger for you. Father, I pray right now for each individual that has a desire to want you and to reflect upon this freedom you've given us. Lord, the times that our mind is full of all kind of thoughts and we're stressed and we're full of worry, we're full of anxiety. Father, this day, no longer. This day, we're going to walk in the freedom and the strength of the Lord, in the provisions in which you have provided through your word. We're going to take your word for what it is, God, so that we can become the vessel you've called us to be and to live our life making an influence and helping to ignite your love, your grace, your mercy in the hearts of others. So right now, I want you to lift up whatever, whatever weight you carry. Put it in your hand and just lift it to the Lord. Whatever weight that, stre- uh, that weakens you, whatever uh, area of your life that doesn't walk you, walk in, cause you to walk in the full freedom of what God's provided, just raise it to the Lord of what that is and, and give it to him right now. Say, God, I, I no longer going to let this negativity of mind be a controlling in my heart. I'm no longer going to let this uh, thoughts that are not right control my life. I, I'm no longer, Lord, going to let things that people say dictate my attitude and how I feel. God, right now, Lord, I'm going to walk in your freedom of your word. I'm going to get your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Right, God, I declare right now, right now, I choose to be all you have created me to be. Just tell them that. I choose right now. This is where it happens. It happens right where you are in your heart as you cry out to God and spend time with God. Father, do a work, those online and those here. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.